Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we're going to look at how faith has understanding. As we believe and act upon God's Word, we grow in our faith and begin to understand the world around us and learn how to navigate it as children of God. part three of Cheryl's message titled, Not a Blind Faith. The evidence of faith is the understanding. It's, it's this divine unction. You know, we see the world and we think, don't they understand? As they're sinning, as they're, uh, you know, drinking too much, as they think that pot should be legal. You're just like, pot should be legal? Are you kidding me? Sorry, but are you kidding me? I mean, all the, all the things that they're discovering about uh, what it does, how it messes up with the brain chemistry and so many other um, findings and studies, and yet we're going to legalize it anyway because we just want to numb ourselves to life. And I think about how we have an understanding that, that gives us almost like common sense, doesn't it? it you kind of look at that and go, that's not going to work out for you. It's not going to work out for you. Years ago, and I mean years ago, before I was ever born or even thought of by anyone but God, my parents lived in Prescott, Arizona. And there was a little church that my dad was the pastor of, a little four-square church in, in Prescott. And just up the hill was this huge boulder. Just And my dad thought, you know, if that boulder wasn't there, you could look out the windows and you'd have such a gorgeous view. I'm just going to roll this six foot by five foot boulder away from the church. My mother walked out. She was about eight months pregnant with my sister. And she said, Chuck, what in the world are you doing? He said, okay, I've got this all figured out. Don't worry about it. Do you see that wood? Do you see these pulleys? I'm going to move these and the rock is going to roll away from the church and we're going to have a beautiful view. Well, my mom was a woman of faith. And she said, she had understanding. She said, Chuck, that rock's not going to roll that way. It's going to roll right into the church, knock the wall down and take a couple pews with it. And my dad said, that's what you think. Observe your husband. Because they hadn't been married that long. Maybe, maybe. 10 months. Watch this. And he began to work on the levee that he created. And sure enough, my mom said the rock began to jiggle. It began to roll the other way and start to move. And it kind of turned on its side. And then she said with a ferocious force, it turned the other way. And with the momentum began to roll. And she said all that 
she and my father could do was just watch this rock go down the hill, through the wall of the church, dismantling three pews and coming to rest right in front of the wood-burning stove. And she said they ran down there and she said you couldn't even see through the thick cloud of dust. And she's like, oh, Chuck, what have you done? He said, I don't know, but I've got a sermon to prepare. Let's leave this till tomorrow. It was Saturday. Sunday morning, about five o'clock in the morning, they got a call from the caretaker of the church. Chuck, you're not going to believe what happened. You know that rock, which was on the hill next to the church, it just rolled through the through the wall of the church. My dad said, yes, I I know. He said, we're lucky it didn't knock out the wood-burning stove. My dad said, yes, I know. And he says, how do you know? He said, "Uh, well, actually, I did it. You did it, Chuck? Why? Well, let me just say that Kay's the one with the understanding. (laughs) By faith, we understand. Faith gives us understanding. That's an evidence of faith. It's an evidence of faith. Evidence number three. We see it in Abel's sacrifice. Abel being a son of Adam, brother of Cain, one of the first men to be born after the fall. He offered to God what God wanted. God wanted a lamb. And it was a more excellent sacrifice. Here is the evidence of Abel's faith. The evidence is that he knew internally in his heart what God wanted. And because he knew what God wanted, he desired to give God what he wanted. The faith that was already in him was revealed or seen when he gave God what God wanted. That's when it was like, oh, Abel has faith because he gives God what he wants. You see, there are a lot of people like Cain who know God. They they even believe in his reality, but they don't serve God. They, They might believe, we're told that even the demons believe and tremble at the name of Jesus but they don't serve Jesus. They don't trust and entrust to Jesus. They don't have faith. You see, faith goes beyond just knowing he exists. Faith believes he's a rewarder of those that diligently serve him. They believe, faith believes his word is true and acts on his word and in accordance with the word. This is the evidence that Abel had faith because he gave God, he knew what God wanted, And he gave that to God. G.D. Watson said this, and I don't know who he is. I just like what he said. Our limitless trust in God seems to satisfy God as nothing else can do because it corresponds with God's eternal faithfulness. It honors God's veracity, and it is a constant silent worship of all of God's perfections. God wants our faith, our genuine trust and belief in him. And when we have faith, we will give God what he wants. What does he want? 
when in John chapter six, when they came to Jesus and they said, what can we do to do the will of God? He said, this is the will of God that you believe in him whom the father has sent. This is the will of God. This is faith to believe in Jesus. This pleases God more than anything else is when you believe in Jesus and you trust and entrust to Jesus because you believe in him. Cain wanted to offer God what he wanted to offer God. There are people that say, I'll give God, I'll give God money, but let him stay out of my sexual appetite. I want to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with, but I'll give God any money. I'll, I'll tithe to the church. I just don't want to live in accordance with the word of God. Or, you know, I'll give God Sunday mornings, as long as I can live Monday through Saturday any old way I want. That's not giving God what he wants. Faith says, I want to give God what God wants. I had a friend who two years in a row gave me the same present. It was large, it was ugly, and it didn't match one item in my home. In fact, I had just gotten rid of the first present when she gave me the exact same present again. And I just looked at it and she didn't realize she'd given it to me before. And I thought, you know, I'm not gonna call her friend anymore because it showed how little she knew about me and how little she listened to me and how little she observed my life and how little she cared about what I liked and didn't like. It was, you know, I hate to say this, but it was insulting. It was a little bit insulting. You know, I'm opening up, she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, you know, this is the second one you've given me of this. No, no, yes, yes. I didn't tell her what I did with the first one, but I did the same thing with the second one. Abel, by faith, gave God exactly what he wanted because he knew God. He studied God. He loved God. Because he gave God what he wanted, he obtained the witness that he was righteous. He proved that he had faith. Because as we believe God, even as Abraham believed God, it is counted to us for righteousness. His righteousness was evidence that he had faith. His example still speaks to us after thousands and thousands of years and reminds us that faith knows what God wants and gives God what he wants. Evidence number four, Enoch's translation. It's so funny because um, as Angie was reading, she said Enoch was taken. And my Bible says translate it. And I'll tell you why my Bible says translated. This is the first New King James open Bible that was made. And they gave my mother one. And for a time, they stopped making the New King James open Bible. And mine, as I was teaching Revelation, Revelation fell out. I scotch taped it in, but then the Gospel of John fell out and it just became too much to handle. But it's interesting because mine has words that are different than what the New King James has, like taken. It's translated. So in my notes, I've got Enoch was translated. 
But this is what it's saying. It says that Enoch never died. Here's the evidence of Enoch's faith. He never died. He went to heaven. Not much is known about Enoch. There's only three verses. We know he had a godly son at 60 years old. We know he had other children after that. We know he walked with God and he lived 365 years and then went missing because God took him and he added testimony that he walked with God and he pleased God because it's faith that pleases God and only faith that can please or appease God. There is no other way to bless God, to appease God, but to believe that he is and that he has done all that he says he's done in his word. But the promise or the evidence of faith is that death is transformed for us into a porthole to the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. He talks about earlier in Hebrews in chapter 2, remember how he said that the devil used death to put everyone under subjugation and in fear, but Jesus destroyed the power of death. And in thus doing, he disarmed Satan. That was the evidence of his faith that God took him to heaven. That's the evidence that he had faith. Evidence number five, salvation. Noah was divinely warned about something he had never seen before, and he acted on the warning. He acted on God's word to him. He did what God told him to do. If Noah had not listened to God, he wouldn't have known how to prepare for what he didn't know was coming. I don't know if that sentence confuses you, but it confuses me, even as I wrote it and read it. And he was moved with godly fear. In other words, you cannot plan for a flood if you are expecting a fire. And you cannot prepare for a fire if you're expecting a flood. You have to know what's coming. And the only one who knows the future is God. And his Bible, this Bible, his word that he's given us, prepares us for whatever's coming. It is our preparation. And the evidence, the evidence of Noah's faith was his salvation. He was saved, everyone else on the earth, but Noah and his sons, daughter-in-laws and wife were condemned. His salvation was clearly seen because the rest of the world perished under condemnation. And he became an heir of righteousness or was among the righteous who were saved, all because of faith. Now, these same evidences, these same evidences are yours today. As you believe in the substance of faith, the word of God, the evidence in your life is first a good testimony, a good testimony. In Colossians 1 verse 4, Paul spoke of the Colossians. Now, Paul had never met the Colossians, the believers there in Colossae. 
He did not start that church. But he says in the first three verses, he says, I heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for the saints and the fruitfulness of your lives. See, the genuineness of the Colossians' faith was seen in their love for all the saints and the fruit of their lives. Faith has evidence and will bear evidence in your life. The more you adhere to and trust and invest in the word of God, invest your life, invest your time, it will produce a testimony of love for all the saints. The marker of true spirituality is love. It's the ultimate marker. And the fruit of the spirit, the qualities of Jesus will come forth from our life. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, This is evidence. This is the evidence of faith. This is the good testimony. Amen. This is the good testimony. The evidence of faith in your life is a deeper understanding about the world. And this deeper understanding comes as we believe in the beginning, God. The whole reason for the world is God. This shapes how you think about everything. It shapes your perspective. You see, you perceive, you grasp what those without faith cannot. Thirdly, the evidence of your faith is a desire to give God what he wants. Not your self-righteousness, your goodness, your good behavior. It's not what he wants. Not your good works, not your tithe, even though we appreciate it. Not your tithe, but God wants your heart, your trust, and your obedience. The evidence of your faith is the eternal life that now lives in you. You will not see death. Death, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, who have faith, becomes a porthole to heaven, to glory, to being in the very presence of God. My mom told me about a woman she had who was a speaker at one of the retreats. And this woman happened to be present as her godly grandma was going into heaven. And the grandma had her eyes closed. And all of a sudden, they thought she died. And she opened her eyes wide and she looked at all her children and grandchildren. And she said, believe it because it's all true. It's all true. And closed her eyes and died. (laughs) Same thing, D.L. Moody. As he was dying, he opened his eyes and he said, oh, oh, it's all glorious. It's all glorious. Earth is receding and heaven is opening. Death is a porthole. It's just a portal that we go through and enter into glory. As Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. You will pass through death like passing through a river. 
You will pass through death as if passing through a fire, but you will pass through, not remain in. It is walking with God now and taking the next steps into heaven, a continual walk. I don't know how many of you ever saw the movie A Man Called Peter. It's like one of my favorite, favorite movies. It's about the life of Peter Marshall. But at one point, Peter Marshall, he's a pastor. He was Scottish. And he gets this call that this young boy is dying. And he goes into the room and the boy says to him, you know, oh, Pastor Marshall, Pastor Marshall, what, what is death? What should I expect? And he says, well, this is what it's like. He said, you know how sometimes you'll fall asleep in your clothes, but you're on the couch, but you wake up in your own bed and you're in your pajamas and you're all cozy and warm. And he said, yes. He said, uh, I, that's what death will be like for you. He said, you'll go to sleep in the clothes of this earth, but you'll wake up in the most comfortable, blessed clothes of heaven, all cozy in your own bed where you belong. And when he had his heart attack, Peter Marshall and his wife, Catherine, saw him as the attendees, attendees were taking him out to the ambulance. He looked at her and he says, I'll be seeing you in the morning. That's how the movie ends. You're like, ah, so good. So good. The evidence of faith is that death has lost its sting. It's lost the threat. It's lost the power to harm. It can only transfer you. Finally, the evidence of faith is your salvation from the condemnation that is in the world. You are saved. John 3, verses 17 through 19, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe, who does not have faith, is condemned already because he has not had faith in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Before we can go on further to talk about the power of faith, it is absolutely essential that we know what faith is. Faith is the substance of what we believe. It is God's word that bears evidence in our lives as we receive it, we believe it, we trust it, we invest in it, and we act on it. Faith does not become our own and is not activated until we choose God's word above our fears, above the lies, above the delusions. We trust it to the point of obedience above every other word, and we invest our lives, our energy, our thoughts, and our heart in God's word. We put it all in God's word. When we receive, believe, trust, invest, and act on this substance, it transforms our ordinary lives into extraordinary lives. We move beyond human limitations into the realm 
of God's divine work in us and through us. And faith becomes the great legacy we can leave to our children on the next generation. Friends, sisters, we've only just begun to recognize the great value that we have through our faith in Jesus Christ. As believers, it is essential that we know what faith is. Faith is the substance and core of what we believe. It is God's word. We see evidence of it in our lives as we receive it, believe it, and act on it. God transforms our lives and makes them extraordinary. We move beyond our human limitations and into the realm of God's divine work in and through us. This gives us a testimony for all to see, and it's all because we have placed our faith in God and His Word. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at activating our faith as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.